very clear on what you're seeking to achieve, how are you going to achieve that and the time frame for achieving it and just not to boil the ocean. Because as long as you create that foundation, you can always build on the foundation. But if you're trying to create a house on sand, it's going to keep on crumbling. You're going to feel like you're constantly redoing the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling Podcast with me, your host, Sam Shepler. The State of Customer Storytelling is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps over 350 B2B software companies easily create stunning customer micro content to engage buyers and close deals faster. You can view examples and find out more at testimonialhero.com. Today on the show, we have some fantastic guests, Cece Lee, Chief Marketing Officer at Enable Us, and Lynn Patriga, Chief Customer Officer at Enable Us as well. Cece and Lynn, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And just to dive right in, you know, can you each tell me a little bit more about you know, how you think about the role of marketing and customer success together for, you know, highly effective customer advocacy programs. You know, why is that collaboration so critical? And, you know, what have you both learned or some of the, you know, keys to, to major success there? Awesome. Yeah, thanks for, for asking that. I think we've got a really great partnership here between, you know, marketing and customer success. And, you know, one of the things I really think about is customer success truly knows what the customer is getting value from, um, what those use cases are, things are tackling, and really being able to see those successes, um, and really being able to feed that back into marketing. I think typically in customer success, you're gathering those success stories as a way to get people to renewal, to talk about ROI for that particular customer. But thinking about reducing that duplication of effort and being able to give that back to marketing to say, here's a really great success story. Maybe here's a collection of them that we're not highlighting on our website or in our marketing. And that would be a kind of a larger story we can tell. I think making sure that we're sharing all of those successes in a, a really powerful way really helps loop that back into marketing because ultimately marketing is the one selling that value proposition. They're you know, talking about what the value is going to get. Sales is going to come in and finalize that sale and then customer success needs to execute. So making sure that we're all in a line and continuing that feedback loop, that's really what's going to make sure that we have successful customers and then continue to get more customers to come in as well. So true. Yeah, I mean, Lynn's put, a, you know, said that very well. And I think that from my perspective is if you don't have that very close collaboration for um, with customer success, marketing is spending just much more effort trying to get those stories. Um, and then what you're seeing is without that alignment, multiple people are contacting a customer and that can, that itself as an organization is um, not a, a situation you want to be in because then customers start complaining and now you're actually impacting the effectiveness of your satisfaction and how you can leverage your customers for your programs, whether they're internally or externally facing. Absolutely. And just to kind of set the scene a little bit, you know, tell me each both about, you know, your backgrounds as well as, you know, what you're both currently, you know, working on now with a, a very exciting company, Enable Us. I'll, I'll take, the, I'll start first. Uh, so 
Actually, I joined Enablus about three to four months ago, and I was previously a customer of the company. And I saw the value that it brought to me at my previous company in terms of how it helped me as a marketer really have a uh, collaboration with my sales team and being able to have that um, enablement that I was able to provide to them as well as to our buyers. And I think for since joining Enable Us, a lot of what I'm doing is storytelling. How do we highlight the value and benefit of what Enable Us brings to the market? Uh, you know, we're early stage startup, and I think that's a lot of what companies in our stage are looking at in terms of positioning and messaging and how do we succinctly <laughs> tell that. And um, as part of that effort, um, it's looking at our go-to-market and positioning messaging. The second part is then how do we really enable ourselves to really tell that story to the market? And then finally, the other part is how do we drive that brand awareness and word of mouth? And that's really where the partnership with Lynn comes into play very importantly. Um, and so a lot of things we're doing on that front is you know, customer stories or customer videos and testimonials and just building that library for us as an organization, as well as how do we then look leverage that for demand gen efforts. Um, so those are sort of the way things I'm looking at here at Enable Us. In terms of my background, I've been doing this a really long time. <laughs> Started in, in public relations um, and just moved into all aspects of marketing. Uh, my core background is product marketing, so a lot of messaging and positioning work. Uh, so that's sort of me in a nutshell. Yeah, and, uh, on my side, so I joined Enableus about a year and a half ago to really build out the entire post-sales experience. So on the customer success side, that means everything from onboarding to implementation to our customer support, uh, building out the education function, so a lot of our help center, um, things like that training, um, as well as the account management and renewals. Uh, so a little bit of everything on the, uh, the post-sales side. And obviously that a huge part of that is partnering with customers, truly building out that um, strategic uh, initiatives, being able to show that ROI, and then ultimately, again, finding some, uh, some great customer success stories to uh, push back in there. Uh, I've been in customer success roles and many different ones over the past about 10 years. So moving from kind of that mid-market, having 150 accounts to more strategic enterprise, having three to four customer success operations, uh, managing a kind of scale digital tech touch team, um, and now really building everything out here at, uh, at Enable Us. So a lot of different things there. And then before that, um, background in what I consider the non-technical customer success. So project management, um, account management, managing a team of account managers, so really, I think you know a lot of non-SaaS companies are also embracing customer success methodologies, and uh, that's really where a lot of what I came from. Mm. And you both mentioned um, customer videos and you know customer stories, and you know tell me more about that. You know why is you know customer content and, and customer amplifying the customer voice so critical today? You know if, if you want to close deals faster, in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's so powerful to be able to hear from or some of those trusted peers, people who have been there before. Um, really, I think I, every one of us, I'm sure, has a ton of things in their inboxes, reaching out to them, sales, cold calls that, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to respond unless I have a significant pain point that I'm looking to solve. Um, but if I had a peer that said I should take a look at a 
piece of software, I'm definitely going to go take a look at that. So I think having that trust and, you know, someone who's been there, they can share their experience and it's not just the, you know, marketing content or a salesperson telling me that it worked. It's truly someone within my industry that's telling me that this worked for them and it solved that same pain point that I had. So I think making sure that we're collecting those stories, sharing what's gone well, um, really does help move that sales cycle faster where instead of them having to go and dig up their own references, we're able to serve that up to them. And just to add on to that, I mean, as Lynn said, that word of mouth and peer uh, referrals is just so strong and it's even gotten stronger as we've seen through the pandemic when we've shifted from being able to create some of those connections, maybe face-to-face, in-person events or scheduling meetings. Uh, it's gone virtual. And so when you have sort of that distance from that type of connection, then you're going to look at your peer communities and, and word of mouth. And I think that while I can draft a, a text-based testimonial, you don't hear the intonation, the tone, the passion that a customer can bring to those words. Um, so I think that's why videos is, is such an engaging medium. And there's so much research into video. <laughs> Just, you know, uh, I think that's why uh, customer videos tend to play a lot better than maybe text-based. Yeah, I love all those points. And, you know, especially the idea that, you know, you can't really can't get tone from text. And as you were saying, Lynn, there's this ability to really deflect a lot of reference calls if you have the right, you know, customer video assets. And you can't really deflect a reference call with just like a text testimonial blurb. It's just not quite powerful enough, right? But as you said, you know, it's just, um, you know, everyone wants to avoid reference burnout, right? So like in video is actually incredibly, you know, helpful there. Let's transition to talk a little bit about, you know, how this kind of fits into Enable Us. Because I know, you know, there's a lot that you all are doing around, you know, buyer enablement. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot more than customer video, but also it sounds like customer video is a big part of that. You know, tell me a little bit more about, you know, Enable Us and then where uh, customer stores and customer videos kind of fit into that. Well, why don't I take a, a one step back and, and sort of like why our founders founded Enable Us. Um, um, our founders are serial entrepreneurs and in their, you know, in their previous businesses, they always came upon this pain point, <laughs> which is, you know, they would be engaging with a prospect. And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm sending content. We're all been in a situation. You send an email, you have 500 different attachments to it. It goes out into the ether. You have no clue. Did they open it? What did they open? What did they view? And then now you're chasing. Um, a salesperson leaves the organization and now you don't know where and what's been sent. So that's been that big pain point. And then like I had mentioned before, we had a shift during the pandemic, which made it even more stark in terms of how you're trying to be in front of your prospects. You only have 5% of their time. They want to do more of the research on their own. So that's why they found it enable us to really solve this problem. But most solutions in the market solve it from a sales perspective. How do I help myself be more efficient versus how do I create something that can engage our buyers in a way that they want to be engaged and make it easier for sales to promote that engagement and collaboration? And so that's really how we came up with Enable Us as this all-in-one seller and buyer enablement platform. 
And that's where customer testimonials and references come into play because it's one of those pieces of content that's really critical when you look at the larger buyer um, journey, right? So usually in the beginning, you're going to want to share presentations or demos and call recordings. Customer testimonials and stories and references comes in as you go deeper into the deal. And don't, I don't want to only think of net new pipeline, but also thinking of, you know, when um, Lynn is looking to speak with a customer, maybe if you release something new and you want to upsell them, that customer testimonial also can work in the upsell cross-sell phase as well. So it's not just up to uh, net new close, but also post-sell and, and that type of um, pipeline. So that's what becomes really important. And as you mentioned earlier, it's customer reference fatigue. <laughs> you don't want to keep on asking the same people, having calls. It's a lot on their plate. But if you're able to capture the top three questions you're hearing from your prospects and or customers about something, record it and have that available and then share it through our technology and what we call digital sales room, it's just that much more powerful and engaging. And then now you also have the data to understand what are they watching? How far are they watching? And really get some insights into how to structure your sales motions, the content to share, the content to create for, I mean, nine out of 10 sellers do not use the content you create as a marker that it kills me. That absolutely kills me. So that's sort of like what we're doing. And so because customer advocacy and that type of marketing does take a lot of effort, I want to make sure that I'm creating the right content that's going to be used from the get-go versus sitting there not being seen by anybody. One thing that we've learned, especially with the buyer behaviors changing, a lot of times they've done a ton of research before they even get to you. Um, so we're finding people getting sort of further down that funnel as they start interacting with sales. So they may have already done that initial awareness, maybe some initial evaluation before they even get to you. So as a seller, being armed with those testimonials that you can quickly add to a digital sales room or to know like, hey, this is my persona, this is their pain point. Having an easy system that helps me filter for the right testimonial and be able to send that immediately versus having to, the old way, which is going ask customer success, do we have anyone to do this, scheduling a call, going back and forth. I think having that kind of immediacy and that expectation that people want to move through things and get their answer fast, having that bank of testimonials ready really helps that there. And as Cece mentioned, having that data to know we just put this new case study in. This is an incredible story. They saw tons of results, but sales is it, you know, maybe there's a creature of habit. They're using their same go-to stories they always want to tell. Um, so knowing that they haven't found that case study, they're not using this new story. Maybe they're not discussing a new product in the right way. Um, having that data to know they haven't found this, no one is seeing this, they're not searching for it, also helps with sales training. And again, making sure those really powerful stories are being told. Yeah, and I, I love that you kind of hinted at the strategy that you know goes into getting this customer content out there and making sure it drives results. You know, aligning with the personas and such. Can you both you know tell me a little bit more about you know how do you think about that in terms of like setting a you know strategy for your customer content? Is it sort of like mapping out your personas and then prioritizing or, you know, yeah, I'd love to hear like, cause there's a lot, there's multiple different ways that you can do it, but um, yeah, any experience or stories or tips you can share for people who are like 
on board with this and they're thinking, hey, I, I, I want to do this. You know, wh- where do I get started? You know, I have, you know, a bunch of customers, you know, who should I start with first? So I think that's such a loaded question, Sam. <laughs> um, I think I can take it from the perspective because like, as I mentioned, I, I just joined Enable Us in the last three and four months and I knew customer stories was going to be an important component. And this would help for a lot of folks who are just stepping in or you're just trying to kickstart your program versus one that may already be ongoing when, you, when you're involved. It starts with your objectives as a company. Okay. Are you trying to drive demand? Are you trying to create awareness? Is it an enablement play? Because each one has a different way of driving what you're looking for. So as I mentioned before, that you know, for Enable Us, when I came in, there were sort of three things I was looking at: brand awareness, product positioning, and demand gen. And then I looked at where do customer stories fit into that. And for me at Enable Us, customer stories fit in two areas. One is demand and leveraging the customers to tell our story, whether it's through webinars or, or any type of demand generation activity. And then the second part is brand awareness, because we know, as Lynn just said, most of your prospects are already doing all the research and they're going to be going to different places for those reviews um, or that, that validation of, of what you provide. So you, you need to have that there. So once you've determined your corporate objectives, the next part, actually, I think some I've seen this being a mistake is people will just go get customer stories. So then you get all these customer stories, but they're not hitting your key value props. So you need to know what key value props you're trying to drive into the market as well with the customer stories. Because if you're trying to say, hey, you know, we're trying to say our values were redefining the B2B um, buying experience, but all your quotes is about how easy to use your software is, you have a disconnect now in your messaging with the market. So that's sort of the second layer into developing that strategy. And then finally, you need to understand what your customer is willing to do and their motivations. So if you've got customers who are really engaged with you, and they're um, wanting to get the word out about themselves, then they're going to be more open to a webinar and um, something that takes a little bit more time versus someone who's maybe happy and they just, they're, they're okay talking about it, but they're not going to do anything more. And I know we just talked about video versus text, but that text testimony is still valuable. And while the video is always what I aspire toward, the, the tech space I will take as well because you can use that on social media. You can use it on your website. There's, you know, in a PowerPoint. So that text based um, testimonial is not any less valuable than a video. It's, it's just understanding how you can use it. So when you think of those three layers, so again, your company objectives, your value props, and then your customer motivation, that's how you can start identifying the customers and knowing how to leverage them for the different types of content you want to create for your, for your programs. Before I let Lynn step in, cause I know she has a lot of things. My tip though, frankly, don't try to boil the ocean. I think that's the one mistake we do with any program. We want to create this big program. We want to do it all. Start with the basics, you know, make, you tear it out get to your top five, then just keep on going down the list. Don't try to do all hundred customers at one time. So many nuggets of wisdom in there. And I'm definitely going to be recapping a few of those at the end (laughs) of the show. So thank you for that, Cece. Lynn, yeah, let's hear from you. 
Yeah, I think just to highlight what she just mentioned is, you know, especially for our earlier startups or, you know, just getting started with the customer advocacy program, you know, don't feel like you need to create a giant program and have a full-time resource. It really can be figuring out, you know, what are the the biggest things that you want to get out of this program? Um, I think it's also knowing that when you're starting out, having those really strong partnerships with a couple of customers not just from the kind of customer story marketing side, but they're your partners in product development, your understanding really what are we solving for them? How do we you know, work with them as we build out our roadmap? So getting customers that are interested in where we're going, maybe they're using it for beta, maybe they're you know, asking for some of those things as part of our roadmap, making sure that you bring them into that story and make them part of that process because that's going to give you a lot, like a huge advocate and a huge person who wants to talk about the successes they saw based on the fact they were a part of that program. So I think there's definitely ways that you can fit in, again, not just the customer advocacy marketing side, but truly making them a customer advocate, part of a customer advisory board, those type of things um, as you move on um, and get bigger. And I think, too, thinking about personas, um, especially in like the sales enablement world, depending on some of our customers, it really depends on the maturity of that of our customers of where that might live, right? It could be in a marketing org. It could be someone more like a generic VP of marketing. It could be product marketing. It could live within a sales role or revenue or operations. So thinking about, you know, maybe a couple of basic personas to start of what would a marketing leader need to see? What would a sales leader need to see? What would someone in operations or sales enablement need to see? Uh, specifically for our role. Um, and then those are things that are valuable to every customer. Even if we're just talking to the VP of marketing, the VP of sales needs to also know that value they're getting. If there is an operations role, they also need to know. So even if they aren't your main champion, being able to speak to the value and some of those success stories of other personas for every single customer, um, those are always going to be valuable. I think most software out there is not necessarily just touching one role or one department. So understanding, you know, maybe what your main champion cares about. I think Cece mentioned, you know, how do I highlight this person? How do I get them promoted? How do I get them visibility in their organization? Having some of that partnership is, I think, really valuable. But ultimately, how do we make sure that they're working together and aligned with every other department that might be part of their day-to-day job and making their, their day easier? helps build some of those partnerships, which then ultimately get people who want to share their stories and then we can use those. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about personas. <laughs> so, oh my God. I mean, that's when you, when you think of marketing and product marketing, that is sort of like where product marketers live is personas and that itself can be a separate podcast, but that is a very good point is I think people try to, again, we try to do too much Think of the, and I, from an externally facing perspective, it's about buyer personas. Whereas I think sometimes people think of the user persona. So it's really different. So if you're using customer stories for external marketing, it's typically going to be about who the decision maker is and getting that prototype. If you are looking to increase adoption or the stickiness or the growth, then maybe it's that user plus buyer component. So that's a really good point uh, that Lynn's brought up about what who is the persona you're speaking to. Yeah, super important distinction. And in terms of measurement, 
let's talk a little bit about that because I, I think that's a super interesting topic as it relates to you know customer stories and one of the I mean I've seen you know really big you know huge companies that we all know of you know take the stance of you know like well this is a persona that is really important to us like obviously this is going to have, you know, huge value. Like we're not obsessed with measuring it. It's just kind of inherent in like common sense, but at the same time, you know, you know, nowadays it, you know, I think, uh, you know, enable us is fits into this exactly nowadays. Like we actually have more of the technology to measure things. Right. So it's like, it's just not as hard, even if it is kind of common sense value. How do you think about, you know, measuring, you know, customer content, uh, like video testimonials and, you know, is and where does that also fit into you know what you all are you know building with with Nablus? I mean, that's <laughs> that's a really good point. Okay, like I said before, nine out of ten sellers have said they don't use marketing content, and part of it's because it is a black hole of how to measure the effectiveness of sales content right now. And I think that platforms like ours help sort of resolve that because not only can I upload the content and share it with my sales team, but I get really detailed insights on that seller behavior. So that's one side of it. Are they accessing it? Are they viewing it? Are they downloading it? Are they sharing it? Why are they, are they not? It gives me a lot of data that I previously didn't have. You know, if you've done SharePoint or OneDrive or Google Drive, whatever, okay, that's great for file sharing, but it's not great for file analytics <laughs> or user analytics. And I think that was one component of what we were missing in the marketplace. I think the other part of it is that that transparency and visibility we now get not only stays with the sellers, but because they're using the technology to share to buyers, whether it's a link to a content or as we had talked about sharing the content in a room that is then shared to the prospect and then to their stakeholders, that whole phase is now becoming visible to me. I can see that that customer video that was put in for this deal is being watched, but it's only halfway. I mean, actually, this is a real story. I was analyzing data at my previous company and realizing that um, people were not watching the welcome messages beyond 15 seconds. So I can take that information back to my sales team and say, hey, don't do 30 second or one minute welcome messages. Do 15 seconds, be very brief, get it, get to the point. So that level of analytics, not only did I open the email or click on the content, I can actually see how far did I go through it? How long did I spend on it? And that gives us so much more insights into the data decision making we can do. And we can also start doing best practices of, hey, if you got a deal, only put these five things. So we can create templates in our platform to help guide sales. Because the last thing we want to do is add to sales this plate. So now, because of all the data, I, from a marketing perspective, I can see what's being used, what's being engaged with, interacted, and start refining that content strategy. If I see things not being used or shared, I can dig into it. Maybe it's a training issue, as Lynn has mentioned. And then from that buyer engagement, we can start seeing what's actually helping to accelerate the deal um, and close in. So that takes a little bit longer term depending on your sales cycle. But because our platform also integrates with CRMs, um, HubSpot and Salesforce, you're able to start looking into the larger picture of how content plays. And I think that is really 
at least as a marketer, um, I've been looking for, and now I finally have that ability to measure the content. And so now again, just taking it back to our, our goal of this podcast is customer marketing and customer stories. Is it a five page? I'm going to be blunt. I mean, I think there was like a six page case study, right, Lynn, that we were using before I joined. No one was going through it. So we shortened the case study. We updated the overviews and now, and those were just released. So now I'm going to see how those are going to compare to the previous. This, this is type of stuff I wouldn't have been able to do before. And now I can. Um, so th- that's just an example of how the tracking and visibility helps me um, to partner with Lynn on what type of programs we want to do and how we want to structure it. Maybe the 45 minute webinar is not it, but I can cut it up into 10 minute pieces. Things like that are things I can do and extend the length of that content as well. So critical. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about the data, um, one of the biggest things we want to save, we want to save people time from some of those more tedious tasks or having to find content or think about what they should be working on. So then they can use that time for another deal, a follow up on a, you know, a hot lead, those type of things. Marketing can make sure that they're, you know, building out things that are actually working. So thinking about having that data to Cece's point, as a seller, I can see, you know, I sent you a 20 page deck, you stopped on page three. I know you <laughs> didn't see any of the information on, on the end, which maybe includes my proposal. So maybe I know exactly where you, you know, you have basic information. I can see those testimonial videos. You only watched 10 seconds. So maybe the beginning of this is not resonating. I need to cut this down or even those longer ones, like CC mentioned for webinars, you know, it's a 45 minute webinar. Are people actually watching that? Maybe a couple really interested people, but there's tons of great insights from some of our customers or our guests that would make amazing testimonials in a shorter span. So having, you know, minute, minute and a half, two minute videos in a room, again, really easy for sales to pinpoint exactly the story they want to tell at that time. So not here, watch this 45 minute video with our customers talking about the value, but hear how customer A was able to engage more buyers. It's a much more powerful story. It makes it much easier for them to digest that, internalize that, and then hopefully move to that next stage. And then also for marketing to get those insights of what's actually being used, what's actually being watched. So do I make more 10 page case studies or do I make more two-page case studies? And I think having that valuable information to know not only what sales is using, but what is actually being engaged with by the visitors helps marketing save time and really focus on what's driving those deals forward versus just making what either you know the leadership is saying to do or what something else is saying to do, but really what the data is telling them. They're able to make those really data-driven decisions and do what's really meaningful for the organization. And sorry, I know I keep on adding on, but I think there's two more points I want to bring up that Lynn's just talked about. Think about the recoup productivity you've just, you, you have, and it's not just on sales. It's marketing, sales, CS, product, because you have a better idea of how to leverage that. So you're being more efficient as an org. And I think the other part that we might have overlooked, Lynn's talked about how you can, sales can look at the deal and what they're engaging. But it also gives you a sense of prioritization in terms of if a prospect is engaging more in your content or they're spending more in certain areas, it gives you a lot uh, more insight to understand, oh, this buyer or this prospect, I should say, 
is really, really going to be one I'm going to potentially have um, a closed opportunity. Whereas this other buyer hasn't even gone into or interacted with any of your content. Before, a salesperson would work both of them equally. But now I can probably say, okay, this one I'll just send a quick email, but this one I'm going to spend more time on because I think the forecasting or the probability is going to be higher. So that itself is also another way that our platform helps sales leaders and organizations and what they're doing. Yeah, I love that. And it's sort of like, sounds like you can even do some lead scoring based on, you know, their, how much they've interacted kind of with, with the content. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, 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 I don't think I've heard lead scoring because lead scoring tends to be like before they come into funnel mm. and hand off the sales, but definitely a prioritization, but scoring it is the same concept for sure. Got so it. it's, it's prioritizing the opportunities and where you should be focusing your effort on them. Got it. That, that makes a ton of sense. And one question that I think a lot of people have is how to kind of make the ask of their customers, you know, in the right way to you know, get them to, you know, agree and, and, and to say yes. And, and obviously there's a ton of different, you know, things uh, that go into that, right? You know, um, any, from your perspective, um, any kind of things you've, you know, both learned around like, you know, how to, how to make the ask, you know, when to make the ask, you know, how to frame it or any sort of tips that you've learned throughout your careers to, you know, when you're asking for, let's say like case studies or video testimonials, or reference, you know, appearances or, you know, webinar, you know, appearances. Um, yeah, what, what, what tips or, or stories do you have to share there uh, to really, you know, get customers to say, yes, you know, I, I'd absolutely like to do that. Yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest thing is build, building those partnerships early, right? So if you have those, those customers that you've started out well, you've set your goals, and you know what those metrics and benchmarks are, and you hit them. So if you're able to deliver those outcomes, you know, it's really easy for customers to share that story, that value, because they feel it, they can easily articulate what that value is. So I think it's making sure that you set those expectations with customers, working with them early uh, versus just, you know, not talking to those customers or maybe things being a little bit more, you know, qualitative and quantitative. And then asking nine months in, like, can you give us a reference? Because I see you're using the platform that's going to be a much more difficult ask and they might not know, or it might not be, again, CC mentioned earlier, it might not be that same value proposition we even want them to tell. So making sure you're staying close with those key customers, that will really be someone that you can tap into. Again, if they're beta customers interested in certain product development, if they're really you know, strong users in a certain piece of your product that you want to highlight a value, I think just making sure you're, again, setting some of those expectations, talking about what value they want to get out of it, and then making sure you're doing all those steps to get them that outcome, that value. It makes it really easy to then, you know, make that ask of, you know, can I share, can I share this? And I think it's, you know, making sure customer success also feels empowered to ask those type of questions. Again, I feel like a lot of times we hear like, oh, this has been great. Like we've decreased our, our sales cycle time and we just go, great. And that's it. <laughs> so I think it's figuring out how do I make that a secondary ask of like, I'd love to, you know, actually get you in touch with our marketing team. This is a great story we want to tell. Can I use this quote a little bit further? So I think, you know, not just saying great and moving on, but really how can I continue to use this 
um, this piece of information for my marketing team? How can I give this back to my product team, letting them know how it's going? Um, and usually expanding on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, do you have a strong relationship with your customer success lead? Is where I'm gonna start. Um, in all honesty, I think um, the last two companies, um, this one and the previous, the reason why we've did such a great job with our customer marketing programs was because we established a great relationship with the CS lead and the team. I think getting to yes starts there, and I'm, I'm sort of gonna take a different approach. What was important was aligning, um, in this case with Lynn and previously the VP of CS, on what exactly I'm looking for from a marketing perspective and what is on CS's largest strategy because they have their goals, right, for the quarter, for the year. And how do we layer in and align on what CS can do to help support those goals? And so in my previous company, what we decided was every quarter he um, layered in as part of each of his managers' OKRs, they were split by regions. Every quarter, you're going to garner X number of customer references. And we made it very simple. We didn't want to go onerous. It could be as simple as a, as a quote. Or for those customers where we knew we had a good story, we had a good relationship, we purposely would do a webinar. And I'm going to, this is going to be a tip I'm going to give. You're trying to do a case study, a testimonial, and all this stuff. I found the easiest way to get to that case study is a webinar. Because if, if the customer's willing to do a case study, the amount of time you have to spend on the phone to interview, to get approvals, actually can be used in a webinar. And it's actually less of a lift on your customer. Because if you have the right program in place, it's two calls, a prep call, you do the slides in between for review and approval, and then the final webinar. You're taking up maybe max two hours of your customer's time. And from that webinar, you can create, as we've said, you can cut up into um, sound bites. You can write blog posts. You can write a full case. I mean, there's so much more content you can create off that one activity. So that's my recommendation. Strong connection with CS, understanding how to maximize your customer's time. And then the final one, which is a little trick, I always ask, is there a publicity clause in the contracts for this reason? It's the low-hanging fruit. At least can I use the logo and or name of the company in my marketing materials? And I think we sometimes overlook the power of a logo when it comes to customer advocacy because the logo is just as powerful as having the quote from the customer. Obviously, customers is even better, but at least start building your logo slide is the best way to explain it. And I think that itself can help support what marketing will need and how to partner with CS on that. Yeah, such such a key point. As we wrap up, you know, anything else um, that, you know, you'd like to share or add, um, you know, from either of your perspectives that we haven't touched on so far? Again, I would say just starting small. So think about how you can maybe maximize time. So maybe it's something around... G2 reviews. So if you're doing a campaign for that, um, if some people decide not to be anonymous, you would know a couple of great customers you might be able to tap into for their stories to dig in deeper. Um, or even the anonymous ones, all of those reviews are public and things that you can add to you know, blog posts like we have um, to share those stories in different ways. Uh, same thing with maybe some NPS surveys, something you can launch. And again, find some of those 
advocates, as people who are, you know, the promoters, those might also be great people to tap into as well and see if they'd be willing to share more about their story, things like that. So you don't necessarily have to have customer success, dig into every single one of their customers and really think about it. It could be something where you could launch a, a larger campaign and then use some of that initial data to, to find them, follow up those customers. But again, really easy to, to start small with a couple of programs and then ultimately build that as your company grows. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that Lynn brings out. I, I think I'm going to go back to, you know, partnership with your CS. It's marketing and CS partnering together is really, really key. Um, I think what's set up a cadence on how you're going to align. Previous company, we um, set quarterly goals. And then I met with uh, my v, my counterpart, my VP, about, I think, every other week. Lynn and I, we talk about so much. We've decided we're not going to put a regular cadence, but we're very aligned on the goals of how we're going to approach. And so I think it's being very clear on what you're seeking to achieve, how are you going to achieve that and the time frame for achieving it and just not to boil the ocean. Because as long as you create that foundation, you can always build on the foundation. But if you're trying to create a house on sand, it's going to keep on crumbling. You're going to feel like you're constantly redoing the program. And I think that's the success Lynn and I have had to date, um, especially with G2 reviews, because like she said, those reviews, I leverage. I mean, a little bit on G2 crowd, they have great customer widgets. So I can take a widget, I identify the quotes I want to use and take the widget and put it on my website. Um, so those are really quick and easy things to do. And that requires a great partnership with CS. Cause again, we're wanting certain type of quotes that hit the value prop. So th that would be the final bits I would add, um, for your listeners. Fantastic. And, um, last but not least, uh, where can, uh, folks find out more about, you know, both of you connect with you and check out, uh, enable us if they want to do so. Yeah, both Lynn and I are on the customer marketing Slack group. Um, so feel free to drop us a note there. You can also find more information about Enable Us on, on our website. So it's enableus.com. Um, and then I, I, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. I mean, frankly, you can find all avenues to get a hold of us. We're very responsive um, and we're always open to um, connecting with folks um, in the community and helping as much as we can. Yeah, I think I might be the only Lynn Patriga on uh, LinkedIn. So feel free to find me there and, and connect. Always love to talk about all things customer success, customer advocacy, and yeah, definitely reach out. Fantastic. Well, this was an absolute pleasure and uh, we'll have to do a round two sometime. Definitely, Sam. Yeah, thanks for having us. Alrighty, folks, that was another fantastic episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast. A couple of my favorite takeaways, there were so many, so I was having a hard time taking notes, but one of the things that really stood out um, was, you know, making sure your customer, you know, content is really aligned with your value prop and in the future of your value prop and where uh, that's heading. Uh, we talked a little bit about how text-based content is still valuable, you know, just understanding how you can use it. And that being said, we also talked about the power of video and you know the emotion and the tone that, that comes through with video. Great tips around how you know things like webinars um, you know can be really atomized and chopped up to really extend that content. We talked about you know no need to try and boil the ocean 
you know, right away. It, it can be as simple as just figuring out, you know, where are the gaps right now? And, you know, how can I, you know, start there? Lots of really exciting stuff around, you know, data and, and measurement and this, this fact that nine out of 10 sellers, you know, are not actually using, you know, the, a lot of the marketing content, right? So, you know, getting that data from platforms like Enable Us is incredibly valuable and you can actually see the buyer engagement, what's helping to accelerate the deal and tie that in, you know, to your CRM as well. Um, getting that sense of prioritization, you know, based on how leads are engaging um, with your content. Um, last but not least, uh, we talked about, you know, uh, getting to yes, you know, setting the expectations early and, you know, empowering CS. And at the end of the day, you know, it all comes down to the relationship between, you know, uh, CS and, you know, marketing, right? So like, what can you do to nurture that relationship and, you know, have great communication there? This was a fantastic episode. Thank you. As always, I'm your host, Sam Shepler, and we'll see you in the next episode.